Welcome back to Workplace Injury Prevention, a Fit for Work podcast where we bring the power of prevention to you. I'm Mike Wobshaw, your host and director of marketing at Fit for Work. Pleased today to be joined by Dr. Jared Robertson, who is an employment testing provider here at Fit for Work and one of my colleagues. Dr. Robertson recently led a roundtable discussion for Fit for Work staff and providers that covered an introduction to physical agility testing in the industrial setting. It was a live course, essentially. We, we call it a roundtable for continuing education of Fit for Work staff and providers. I found it interesting on two fronts and why I wanted to bring Dr. Robertson into the podcast today. We just spoke in our last episode to Wendy Shillette, who's the Director of Employment Testing. And so this is sort of a, a tangential conversation to that, uh, the one we'll have today with Dr. Robertson. But secondly, it highlights what I think is a great benefit here at Fit for Work and a great part about our company, which is the ability to continually sharpen your skills, add new skills, which not only and knowledge, which not only helps enhance or advance the careers of our people, but also puts our people, more importantly, in a better position to do meaningful work and accomplish results that impact lives. And doing meaningful work that impacts lives is a motto of Fit for Work. So that's why I was excited to to bring Dr. Robertson in uh, to the podcast. He um, graciously agreed to provide us with some of his time. And so here he is. Hello, Dr. Robertson. How are you? I'm doing well, Mike. How are you doing this morning? I'm also doing well. Thank you very much. I really want to get into the uh, the topic du jour, which is, uh, as mentioned, physical agility testing in the industrial setting and sort of the, the idea of continuing education credits and and that benefit to fit for work providers and employees and then um, and subsequently our clients. But first, I think let's let's lay some groundwork and set the stage a little bit with with just you, Dr. Robertson. Tell us a little bit about yourself, your main responsibility here at, at fit for work. Maybe not, uh, you know, don't need you to go through your daily schedule hour by hour. But the way I kind of like to term it is if someone walked up to you on the street and said, hey, you're, you're with fit for work. What do you do there? Uh, what's sort of your elevator pitch about uh, what you do at Fit for Work? Right. Well, I am a physical therapist by trade. I've been practicing for about six years now. Um, but mm. what we do in our employment testing uh, drawer of service, um, we're really just helping these employers uh, screen out and filter out any potential employees that might present a risk of injury or harm to themselves or potentially others. Um, so what we do on a day-to-day -day basis is we bring candidates in for our client site. I mostly work at a food distribution, grocery distribution uh, center. But we'll bring folks in. We'll go through a series of tests with them. And that helps us provide a recommendation to the employer on if someone's capable or not capable of performing the essential job duties. So pretty interesting. Um, you know, our, our goal is really more to help the employer than it is to aid the uh, applicant because um, mm -hmm. we're, we're really looking for the, the employer is our client in this particular case. Um, but we, we are able to filter out a lot of different stuff, unique, uh, you know, conditions that would really present a risk of injury to these folks were they to start employment at our client site. You know what, that, that's interesting, uh, Dr. Robertson, because I, I didn't plan to get into this, but listening to you talk about it that way reminds me of my time in the NFL. I spent 15 years with the Minnesota Vikings, and a big part of the off-season calendar 
um, is the NFL scouting combine where prospects who are hoping to be drafted into the NFL gather. It's usually the top 250, 300 or so gather in Indianapolis. All the teams come to Indianapolis and they do a whole bunch of tests. And some of them are physical tests on the field. Some of them are interviews, but really about the most important time they spend there is medical tests. And while this is being put on by the NFL and its clubs uh, so that they can evaluate the condition of players, um, they're looking out for teams so that they are drafting the right players who can help them win. A lot of times, some of these prospects, they uncover a medical condition that they didn't know they had that may or may not affect their career uh, and their ability to have a career. Uh, in some cases, it absolutely does. They may have a serious diagnosis or condition that gets uncovered. And I would have to imagine that that is, I know I know you said the your client in this case, your main subject may be the employer, but I bet you there are some examples and stories you and your colleagues have of you've really helped make a big difference for an employee or prospective employee by going through one of these tests with them and maybe has impacted their um, ability in a positive way to have a career or to adjust their career. Yeah, certainly. Um, you know, thinking about the NFL combine, <laughs> one of the great examples of someone who you could see an injury coming was RG3 back in his draft class. I think that was like okay. back in 2011. But when you look at his photos for uh, like the, the, the high jump and his landing, I mean, he's strong as strong can be, but you can see so much valgus in his legs that uh, start to question, okay, you know, is it something that could lead to injury? And Lo and behold, both of his ACLs were torn over his football career and he had an ankle dislocation. So, wow. uh, yeah, I, I see what they're what they're looking at in the NFL combine. And sometimes mm -hmm. they catch it and sometimes, you know, they got those rose colored glasses on. <laughs> uh, see a Heisman Trophy winner and uh, just want to roll with it. But, um, yeah, I mean, just as recently as uh, within the last month or two, um, you know, not as illustrious, but we had a guy come in who had uh, – diabetes and we were able to find a, a wound that just didn't want to heal on his foot and uh, sent him off to get the appropriate health care to get that treated. That's something that can really impact this guy's life and potentially save him from amputations. Um, wow. Totally separate of if he gets the job or not. Uh, we're, we're definitely able to you know, make positive impacts on people's lives. Even something as simple as high blood pressure, which we can catch during our screenings. Um, you know, that, that's something that can really save someone's life down the line. Interesting. Yeah. So last, last, uh, episode with Wendy, uh, Dr. Robertson, we talked about stages of employment testing, pre-offer, post-offer, post-employment. Then we sort yeah. of dug a little deeper, uh, with post-employment and we talked about three types of post-employment, physical agility, fit for duty and functional capacity. So the topic today is physical agility testing and specifically in the context of an industrial setting. And I think it's less maybe important for this conversation that you and I are having today to really get into the differences of an, is it an industrial setting? Is it a manufacturing setting? Is it a utility setting? Is it what a food processing, whatever? I think that's less important. I think what's more important is that it's physical agility. Now I, I do understand that there are other types of testing aside from physical agility that you are educated on and involved with. But when it comes to, and you can certainly discuss that as part of this answer or a future one, but when it comes to physical agility testing, is it unique to or specific to 
the stage of post-employment testing in your experience? Is that a best practice? Is that mandated by the government? Or is there wiggle room there where you can do a a physical agility test in a different stage other than post-employment? Yeah, so it it depends on a couple different factors. You can do physical agility testing uh, at either the pre or the post offer or post employment stages, and that just depends okay. on what the client site is going to be looking for. Um, one of our bigger clients that we brought on recently, they are only doing um, physical agility testing for post offer. Uh, where I'm currently working, we do a comprehensive post offer employment test, so it's a little bit different. Uh, With the comprehensive test, we're able to take a full medical history, take a whole bunch of medical measures. Uh, We even do a full head-to-toe musculoskeletal exam that looks at almost 160 different measures across the body from strength, muscle tone, reflexes, joint integrity, all sorts of different stuff. Um, So that is something, you know, that's a little bit different. That can only be done in the post-offer stage. Uh, you're not allowed to do that comprehensive test based on Equal Employment Opportunity Commission guidelines uh, once someone's already an employee. Because that stage in the game, uh, you are not, if someone's already employed with the company, you cannot collect those medical measures and you cannot do the musculoskeletal. Interesting. And so, huh, is this, does this come down to, is this a business decision by a company as to what they do? Or do you find that, hey, if you're in this industry and you know you do this type of work, you're typically going to do your physical agility testing at this point? Uh, I think it's mostly up to the client and business purposes. Um, you know, when it comes to the physical agility testing, um, you know, the post-employment, that's kind of a given. That's for any employee transferring roles or, you know, potentially even coming back. That'd be more fit for duty, but coming back from an extended leave. Um, but there's also uh, the pre-employment or the post-offer um, physical agility testing. And that's what a lot of uh, client sites seem to be preferring. Um, I think for them, um, you know, the statistics show that we're able to filter out a good bit of uh risk employees, but at the same time, uh, it allows the the company to save a little bit of money compared to what the uh, full comprehensive evaluation would cost them. And so um, this, is, uh, this is interesting. I want to go back to a, um, something you referenced a couple of answers ago. You mentioned there's comprehensive testing, there's physical agility yeah. testing. And yeah. I, I gather that by just from my experience and also by their names that, you know, one is more detailed. One is more, I don't want to say invasive. None none of them are really, I think that's the wrong word, but one is more um, laborious, maybe time consuming, more information. Thorough. There you go. Thank you. Um, Thorough. So what, what, um, what are the drawbacks to that? What are the advantages to that, to having the more thorough test? Uh, if you could walk through that a little bit, like like if I was just like, you know what, we're not, we don't need the comprehensive, we're just going to do the physical agility. What's in my what's what's behind that there? What's the motive there? But also conversely, if it's like, no, no, we we definitely want comprehensive over physical agility. What's the mindset with that one? Yeah, and that's a it's I'm a, I'm a little biased, right? As a as a healthcare practitioner, I'm always a fan of being more thorough with examinations. So mm-hmm. um, my recommendation would always be collect the most information that you can so that you can make the most informed decision.
decision that you can, but that doesn't always align with business needs that the clients are going to have. Um, I will say that, you know, things that we would catch with, uh, I alluded to that uh, foot ulcer a little bit ago. That's yeah. something that we wouldn't catch during just a standard physical agility exam. Um, but that is something that we're able to catch with the comprehensive exam. So um, just because we're not doing those medical measures and the medical history with the physical agility testing, um, that's how that would have been undiscovered, basically, unless he mentioned it during you know, his testing process. Uh, let's say we have him doing some lifting requirements. He's like, oh, yeah, by the way, I have this you know, injury that hasn't wanted to heal for a long time. Um, that, that would be like a trigger. Okay, let's, let's now pause this and take a look at things and see where we need to go from there. Um, but unless they disclose that information freely, you know, we're not really asking about that. So there's opportunities to catch more things with the comprehensive exam than there is with the regular physical testing. Uh, that sure. being said, you know, if the employers are really just looking to see if, uh, employee is capable of performing the tasks and a lot of folks that, you know, a lot of companies, that's all they really want to know, then the physical agility would be fine. Um, the companies, I think at that point are informed that they're assuming that risk, you know, by not doing the comprehensive testing. Um, but it is still a step in the right direction as far as screening out people who just really may not be cut out for the position. You know, sure. if we have to have someone lift a hundred pounds overhead you can imagine how many people can't do that, right? And that's a that's a good way to filter things out, um, even without the medical history component. Okay, interesting. And then, sort of a procedural question here, but it, I'm I'm thinking in the mindset of perhaps I am a, a certain I have a, I hold a certain position, a hiring manager, HR at a company who's wondering about this type of service. Um, with fit for work. So you, you execute these, do these tests and you then have knowledge, data, and opinions about this, uh, employee. How, how is that transferred to or provided to fit for works clients? Does that make sense? Like, is that, and I really mean like, is it an email? Uh, are you writing down on a clipboard? Are you filling out a form? How, how is that is uh, sort of what is that process like the the deliverable, if you will? Right. So we use um, and they're actually part of the fit for work and confluent health family. Now, it's a company called WorkSteps, and they have developed a really thorough and awesome protocol for all of this employment testing stuff. Um, so they they pretty much have every question you could ever need to ask answered at some point in some way, shape or form. Um, so what we do, and you know, interestingly enough, opinions, um, we kind of keep those out of this. Uh, this is really just facts, right? You know, these are the facts of their posture, their reflexes, their strength. This is how well they performed in lifting the weights um, through kind of standard guidelines of a good uh, good body form or good body mechanics, acceptable body mechanics, if they needed frequent reminders. These are all guidelines that are clearly established. Um, so what we do, we finish the testing, uh, we input the results from the testing into the WorkStep software, and it's going to generate a result of either capable or not capable, or if it's already an employee, it'll say requirements met or requirements not met, just a small difference in verbiage there. Um, and really, that's all the employer is going to get from us is those results of capable, not capable, uh, 
uh, met or not requirements met requirements not mm -hmm. met there's something we have in place called a firewall um, where you know all of the information we're collecting is technically uh, HIPAA compliant right so we're not able to share medical information with the employer directly there are rare circumstances in which we're able to do so. Like if someone had a ADA accommodation request, there's limited information that we would share with the employer. Or further down the line, if they are an employee already and they uh, have a significant injury or complaint, the employer could request their test records to look at where things were at their baseline when they first started compared to where they are at the time of the injury. And that can help the employer determine, is it work-related or is it not? Um, but yeah, we, we keep all that information private. Uh, it's confidential between us and the, and the candidate or the applicant. Um, and what the employer is going to get is just a simple report that says if they were capable of doing the essential job duties or not. So it's pretty nifty. Um, you know, things that it's kind of uh, interesting to think about. But one of the big highlights when we go through our training for this is you cannot fail someone for form uh, as long as they're safely able to control the weights that they're lifting. So okay. it could be the most awkward looking posture. It could be hyphotic as all get out. Um, but as long as they're able to control that weight and they're able to lift it and move it around safely, we just document that the posture that we saw, um, but that they're still able to perform the task. Now, at that point, uh, it's up to the employer to you know work on training and, and coaching to get them to lift in a safer uh body mechanic style but um you know from from our perspective uh we're just we're just looking at safety and that's really the the main thing is is someone safe to do the job that they're they're applying for yeah and that that's a good note on which to end i think this this first segment of the podcast and we i actually wrapped up the the entire episode last week with wendy on that note uh dr robertson and it's like this at the end of the day i mean we we want our you know, fit for work wants its clients to reduce injuries and associated costs, help the bottom line, be more productive, be profitable. Yes, that's true. But um, no less important, and in fact, some would argue paramount to that is uh, you, uh, Dr. Robertson, and all fit for work employees and providers want folks to be safe. You know, I mean, that yeah. that's really what this is all about at the end of the day. This is a job. It's important for a lot of people. Uh, it's livelihood. But at the end of the day, we want people going home in as good or better shape uh, as what they came into work, right? Yeah. And, you know, that's an interesting point. Transitioning into this job from just a clinical physical therapist, um, you know, the 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 one thing to keep in mind, even though you may be the bearer of bad news at times, you know, oh, you have to go see a doctor for this medical concern, or, you know, I'm sorry, you were not even like, okay, you weren't able to complete the testing, but we'll still give the results to the employer and they might have, you know, alternate positions available if they don't think you're right for this one. Um, but it, it's important to keep in mind as we go through this, that we are actually making a difference in clients' lives, um, the, the companies and the people that are applying for it. Um, they may not like that they're being sent out for a medical concern, um, but ultimately, like if we think about it, it's to their own benefit because who wants to go home hurt at the end of the day, especially when you start a new job. But the other benefits to that, I mean, they're vast, right? So if you have if you hire a capable workforce, then you're going to have less absenteeism. Uh, you're going to have better attendance. You're not going to have to you know find employees to cover the shifts for the people who are injured. And that's going to lead to greater employee retention and job satisfaction because folks aren't having to work as hard, right? So 
there's a lot of benefits that come into this that are, you know, tertiary, quatriary, um, that just aren't thought of right off the bat. And so that, that's a that's a good point. I think um, it's a good, good spot to kind of take a break, too, because that is good food for thought. That's right. I totally agree. And on that note, we will go to a very brief break here before we continue the conversation with Dr. Robertson. Here's a little bit more about Fit for Work's suite of services. When employees work from home, their environment isn't standardized. So therefore, there isn't a standard solution to help them with the new ergonomic challenges they face. Those need to be handled on a case-by-case basis so they can match the needs of both the worker and their home. So Fit for Work delivers this through our Ergo Home Solutions, a one-on-one virtual consultation personalized to each employee's unique situation. And we can remote workers with our Ergo specialists to address the complex human interactions in their home, ultimately providing an in-depth evaluation, analysis, and education recommendations to allow for more comfortable and productive work. Best part is Ergo Home is scalable to support thousands of workers delivering at-home ergonomic solutions designed to to address what are becoming new but increasingly difficult challenges for workers. Head to our website, wellworkforce.com, click on Ergonomics and Ergo Home, and click on Connect with us to learn more. Hey, everyone. Welcome back. Workplace Injury Prevention, a Fit for Work podcast. I'm your host, Mike Wabshaw, joined today by Dr. Jared Robertson. We talked in the first segment, doctor, about physical agility testing, some of the basics of it and even some nuances of it. Um, Interesting conversation. I want to shift gears a little bit here uh, before we call it a day for this episode and talk about your experience leading the roundtable discussion that you did um, last month, I believe it was, or a few weeks ago uh, for Mm -hmm. Fit for Work providers and some of our colleagues and, and coworkers. Specifically, it was on physical agility testing in the industrial setting. Tell us a little bit about that and the content, but also I want to talk about this concept um, and this practice that Fit for Work has uh, where we have subject matter experts like yourself interacting with and leading courses for providers and, and employees to sort of enhance knowledge and skills and, and advance careers and improve our ability to help others. So tell us a little bit about the roundtable that you led and how it went. Yeah. Um, so, you know, full disclosure, that was my first uh, professional presentation, especially one that's been uh, confirmed or approved for a continuing education unit. So it was a really cool experience to get involved with that. And um, there's lots of opportunities for other providers within our company to do the same thing should they want to. Um, the physical agility testing, uh, the webinar, it lasted about an hour and a half, um, went pretty well. Lots of information. It was jam packed, um, but it covers everything from you know the basic concepts of why we're there, who fit for work is, uh, what uh, what. Uh, employment testing actually is, and then how we can, you know, go through those processes, you know, with the big push for more testing internally with Fit for Work this coming year and moving forward, uh, there's a huge knowledge gap on what it is that the testing drawer of service does, uh, because just so many of our providers are removed from that. Um, The bulk of our company has historically been in ergonomics and safety, doing the risk analysis and the physical demands analysis. Um, so people just don't have the exposure to testing. And so this was a good opportunity to bring to light some more of the services that we offer that can really help uh, companies build a solid workforce that they can rely on. 
Um, but during that, we, we briefly touched on the different kinds of uh, employment testing, like I did today, just glancing over the comprehensive versus physical agility. Uh, and then we took a look at kind of more of a surface look at it, not diving too deep into the details of things, but um, there's some exceptions for lifting requirements that we you know, got to go over. We took a look at different compensation patterns that uh, might show up during the testing, um, what you know, actions you may want to take if you see someone struggling or experiencing pain during the testing process. Um, and we, I, me and my uh, coworkers here from my testing or my client site, we made a, a bunch of videos to help with the demonstration for that. So uh, really not just you know, trying to appease all learning styles with the visual learners and the, the more reading style learners uh, and the auditory yep. learners as well. So um, wanted to get the information out there as clear as possible and, and help as many people understand what it is that we do so that they can bring this service to their client site as a recommendation um, to see if their clients are interested in it. And it allows our providers to branch out and experience uh, different dynamics of the company. Um, you know, for the physical agility testing, one of the things is that uh, Athletic trainers are capable of doing that test under the legal guidelines. For the comprehensive test that I've alluded to, you have to be a licensed physical or occupational therapist to run those tests. So that is one uh, difference that I, I didn't mention earlier, but it is a key distinction for our workforce is uh, with the coming uh, upcoming new clients that we're, we're negotiating with, um, there's going to be a lot of opportunity for our workforce to get more heavily involved. So um, yeah, the, the round table, it went well, um, it, like, kind of like a bird's eye look with a couple nose dives into some more key details. Um, but I think it went really well. I think a lot of people got a lot of information out of it and not only was it live, it's been recorded so that, uh, we as providers within fit for work can go check out our fit for work Institute, sign up for that course, uh, review it on our own time so that you're not you don't have to commit the full 90 minutes at once. You can watch it in bits and pieces and you're still able to get those continuing education. Um, and I think that leads into your next question, right? <laughs> it does indeed. And that I wanted to ask you what's, what's coming down the pike uh, in terms of education courses from the sounds of it. Uh, I think you should be leading more of them if I'm, if I'm being honest. So if that were <laughs> to happen, any, any content topics that would uh, interest you that you may try and spearhead? Yeah, so uh, as it stands, Fit for Work currently has uh, three different roundtable series. Uh, we have uh, ergonomics, we have uh, injury prevention, and we have a safety roundtable series. Um, but, you know, it's concepts like employment testing, they don't really fall into any of those categories. So what we've looked at doing is creating a fourth uh, roundtable series that kind of covers all these, it's like a catch-all for the other topics that aren't related to the three roundtables that uh, we have decided, and uh, you're kind of right, uh, I did get involved with some some leadership on this one. Uh, me and my colleague, Kristen Sims, are going to be coordinating the new uh, series. We call it iHelp. Uh, and our first presentation for that is going to be in August of 2023. Uh, Kristen will be presenting on that one, and it's going to cover uh, social determinants of healthcare and industrial health. So taking a look at different factors like socioeconomical status and education and how that plays into uh, healthcare, employment health and industrial health. So really, really looking forward to that lecture. I feel like it's gonna be a lot of interesting material that gets brought to light. And it's something unique that 
you know, uh, we never really would have had an opportunity to bring to the table uh, without this new series that we're developing. Very cool. You know, I one of the sort of fun byproducts of my position as marketing director here, Dr. Robertson, is I, I host this podcast and it's really fun and enlightening to have some guests on that we get to have. Um, Wendy was one of them a couple of weeks ago and, and you're one of them here today. And it's like, fit for work. And, and it's not always internal folks. Sometimes we have, you know, our clients on or subject matter experts in other areas, but I love having fit for work colleagues on because it's like, just if you're someone listening who is not currently working with fit for work, you may be with someone else. You may be with no one. I'm like, you got to be listening to this and just be very impressed, um, you know, and and optimistic that Fit for Work would be able to help you out. So um, really fun to have you on, Dr. Robertson. I appreciate your time and thank you for uh, the knowledge and experience that you shared today. Yeah, you're very welcome. And I mean, even outside of the roundtables, Fit for Work offers a plethora of internal education programs from leadership to sales to marketing to Testing, save. I mean, we we've got a smorgasbord of courses that are accessible to all employees, full time or part time, um, and it really does serve to help grow our overall knowledge base. And as a company, it allows us to provide just much more solid, research-backed services to our clients. So we're really trying to be the best that's out there and and offer the best to our our clients and. Uh, it's really, it's really fulfilling. Um, you know, getting involved with education wasn't something I had initially considered, but I'm really glad to be part of it because there's a lot of cool stuff coming down. Yep. Very well said. Uh, appreciate your time, Dr. Robinson. Thank you very much. And thank you all for listening to Workplace Injury Prevention, a Fit for Work podcast. Please like and subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts. Also, to learn more about Fit for Work and our services, visit our website, wellworkforce.com. And remember, prevention improves lives.